Rob Cartledge here from robcartledgeministries.com and City East Church. This series is called The Powers That Be. We live in a day and in a time that the Bible has more to say about prophetically than any other day. In this series, I intend to help you to discover and uncover a worldwide move towards the fulfillment of Revelation 13 where the inhabitants of the earth will be deceived by a final world leader who forces all humanity to worship an image or be killed and to receive a mark without which they cannot buy or sell. We are rapidly moving towards these times and we must be informed and awakened so we won't be deceived like the rest of humanity. Open up to Zechariah. Now Zechariah is two books before Matthew. So if you know where the book of Matthew is, you'll find Zechariah quite quickly. By the way, this is a powers that be sermon. I didn't tell you that it's in the powers that be series. Zechariah 12, verses 1 to 9. We all there? An oracle, yes. This is the word of the Lord concerning Israel. The Lord who stretches out the heavens, who lays the foundations of the earth, and who forms the spirit of man within him. So what he's saying is the creator. I am going to make Jerusalem a cup that sends all the surrounding peoples reeling. Judah will be besieged as well as Jerusalem. On that day when all the nations of the earth are gathered against her, I will make Jerusalem an immovable rock for all the nations. All who try to move it will injure themselves. On that day, I will strike every horse with panic and its riders with madness, declares the Lord. I will keep a watchful eye over the house of Judah, but I will blind all the horses of the nations. Then the leaders of Judah will say in their hearts, the people of Jerusalem are strong because the Lord Almighty is their God. What a declaration coming from unbelievers around the world that they will say the people of Jerusalem are strong because the Lord Almighty is their God. On that day, I'll make the leaders of Judah like a fire pot in a wood pile, like a flaming torch among the sheaves. They will consume right and left all the surrounding peoples, but Jerusalem will remain intact and in her place. The Lord will save the dwelling of Judah first, so that the honor of the house of David and of Jerusalem's inhabitants may not be greater than that of Judah. On that day, the Lord will shield those who live in Jerusalem, so that the feeblest among them will be like David, and the house of David will be like God, like the angel of the Lord going before them. On that day, I will set out to destroy all the nations that attack Jerusalem. How powerful is that? Now, did this happen in AD 70 when Jerusalem and the temple was destroyed and Jerusalem was besieged, destroyed? It didn't because Jerusalem didn't stay intact, did it? It was, it was run over. And, uh, but it's not until now when it's been reformed that this prophecy has a chance of being fulfilled. So we're going to go into that a little bit today. Let's pray. Lord, I just thank you for this sermon. I thank you for the input from Johnny and, and, and uh, just the spirit who, who has uh, put it in our hearts to prepare this sermon. Because, Lord, we are living in times where the fulfillment of this scripture, this powerful scripture in Zechariah 12, uh, has the potential of being fulfilled. We're going to see it, I believe, in these coming years. And uh, the nations of the earth are working towards it even now. And so, Lord, I pray that as I present this sermon that I'll do it... Um, uh, in a way that will honor you and honor the, uh, the Jews and also help uh, those that are anti-Semitic to see the error of their ways and turn 
and uh, believe and also become supporters of the Jewish nation and the Jewish people. And I pray this in your wonderful name. Amen. All the nations. In this scripture, Zechariah 12, 1 to 9, God declares that this siege against Jerusalem and against God's people, the Jews, will come from all the nations of the earth. All the nations of the earth will surround uh, Jerusalem. Question one. Has there ever, ever been a time in history when all the nations of the earth have laid siege against Jerusalem? What's the answer? Oh, absolute no. There's never been a time. You might have one nation or two. The Six-Day War, you've got to fill the neighbours. But this is all the nations. That's, that, when God says all, he means all. <laughs> he means the whole earth will be against Jerusalem. Every nation on earth then the fulfillment of this scripture is still in the future. And look, if uh, Jerusalem has ever been surrounded by surrounding nations, it's been removed by just a few nations in the past. Sometimes it defended itself and, and won the battles, like during the time of King David and, um, and so on, and the other kings. But many times they were, they, uh, well, they were exiled, weren't they, to um, Babylon. But um, we've never seen that. It's never been fulfilled. This prophecy is still future. So question two, are we seeing a worldwide preparation for this kind of war taking place in Israel at present? Are we seeing a worldwide preparation for it? Absolutely. The world government or governments is deliberately producing every conceivable kind of anti-Semitic propaganda and misinformation possible to stir mass hatred against the Jews. Just back in this where it says, the world government is deliberately producing every conceivable kind of anti-Semitic propaganda and misinformation possible to stir mass hatred against the Jews. And you know what? The masses are swallowing it like candy. The masses are swallowing it up and absorbing it all and believing every little bit of anti-Semitic propaganda that's getting pumped into the, into the nations in, of the world. And they're believing it and they're really enjoying believing it too. They don't realize that they're getting primed for a biblical advent, a biblical occasion that's going to take place and they're, they're going to be on the wrong side of the fence, if you know what I mean. They're going to be on the, in the wrong army. If they stand with the nations against Jerusalem, they're going to come to a, a terrible, terrible end. Racism. I'm amazed at the amount of people who claim to not be racist, yet are convinced that their dislike of Jews is not racism. I don't, one of the anti-Semitic statements I often get, if, if you are tight with your money in the sense that you, you're concerned about spending too much for something, you know what they'll call you? Oh, you're a Jew. So you're called a Jew if you're tight with your money. I don't know how the Jews got to, like, okay, the Jews are good at making money. It doesn't mean they're tight with the money. I, I remember talking to a girl once who was a nanny working for a Jewish family, but she'd been a nanny in other households. She says the most um, generous people she's ever worked for were the Jewish family that she worked for. Bonuses on bonuses she was always given. If she did a really good thing for them, they acknowledged it with a bonus. How they ever got, you get called Jew if you're tight with money, you know, uh, is it's just another one of those anti-Semitic propaganda statements that has been pushed on us and we swallowed it. We believed it. A lot of people say you're a Jew and they don't even realize what they're actually saying. It's just a statement. 
Just like when people say Jesus Christ when something goes wrong. They don't even realize they've just said the name of the Lord. Anti-Semitism is, this is what the official definition or one of, anti-Semitism is suspicion of, hatred towards, or discrimination against Jews for reasons connected to their Jewish heritage. Anti-Semitism is racism. There is no two ways about it. So if you are proud of not being racist, then don't be an anti-Semite either. Joe Schimmel said in his sermon, Why Anti-Semitism? And I really encourage you all to listen to that sermon. It's a fantastic sermon. It goes in quite in depth. He knows a lot about you know, the, all, the whole conspiracy in relation to uh, the Jewish people and the homeland of Israel. Um, he says that if you ask many people why they are anti-Semites, most do not even know. They don't even know. A lot of them will say, oh, because my parents were. It's probably just born into them in a sense. They, they're always hearing anti-Semitic statements, so they just carry on with those same statements for the rest of their life. The UN Conspiracy Against Israel. In Chuck Missler's book, Prophecy 2020, he writes, in five decades, that's since uh, the Jews uh, returned to their homeland, there were 175 resolutions passed by the Security Council. 97 of those 175 were against Israel, 55%. The fact that there were that many involving Israel is astonishing. During that same period, there were 690 resolutions passed by the General Assembly. 429 were directed against Israel at 62%. There have been more uh, non-condemning Palestinian terrorism, would you believe? And then we've got to remember, the Palestinians are always the antagonists in this Israel-Palestinian conflict, but they haven't even had one thing directed at them from the UN. Not one condemning the Palestinian terrorism. The bias is undeniable. It's no wonder Israel doesn't regard UN involvement in its affairs as constructive. Don't want anything to do with it. We must keep in mind that Israel has the technology and the military strength to wipe Palestine and its neighbours off the map, but they don't. If they wanted to, they could just destroy all their neighbours. It's very easy for Israel to do that, but they don't do it. It just attempts to hold its borders. That's what they want to do, just hold the borders. If the defense of the borders of Israel were removed, Palestine, Syria, Lebanon, Jordan, and Iran would not hesitate to wipe out Israel. They wouldn't even think twice. They would be in like a shot, and they'd be killing the Israelis you know, without even thinking. But you know, Israel has always had the power to go into those countries and commit terrorism and, and terrorist acts. And sure, there's, there's you know, uh, they fight between each other. But the fact of the matter is, Israel are not the antagonists. They're not the ones that are offending the neighbors. It's the neighbors always offending Israel, and Israel's putting up a defense. And what happens when hundreds of uh, Palestinians throw rocks at the Israeli soldiers defending the border? Was it the Palestinians that were doing that? Uh, and the Israelis, what did they do? sent off tear gas and probably rubber bullets or something, didn't want to kill them. Yeah, well, the media outrage was directed against Israel, wasn't it? Not for the fact that they were throwing rocks, which really hurt. You know, no soldier wants to get hit by a rock, let alone hundreds of rocks. Actually, that's how you used to kill people in the old days, stone them to death. So they were getting stoned. They did a little bit of defensive work because it's their border that they're protecting. And the outrage went against Israel. It's just unreal how the media can twist events to make it look like Israel is the bad guy. 
all the time. And there's, there's numerous situations like that. Christian anti-Semitism. This is the interesting one. What shocks me the most is the amount of blatant racism towards Jews in Christian churches. How can we be a Christian and be an anti-Semite at the same time? How can you be Christian and anti-Semitic? It just doesn't wash. They don't go together. Jesus said salvation is from the Jews. John 4.22. Paul declares when discussing Israel, Romans 9.4-5, theirs is the adoption of sons. He's talking about Israel, remember. Theirs is the adoption of sons. Theirs the divine glory, the covenants, the receiving of the law, the temple worship and the promises. It's theirs. It's the Jewish people's promises. Theirs are the patriarchs. And from them is traced the human ancestry of Christ, who is God over all, forever praised. Paul refers to the Gentiles as wild olive shoots and Israel as cultivated olive tree. Who's read that? Romans eleven seventeen to 21 says, If some of the branches have been broken off and you, though a wild olive shoot, have been grafted in among the others and now share in the nourishing sap from the olive root, do not boast over those branches. So the olive root is symbolic of Jesus. The natural branches is Israel, and those that are grafted in are the Gentiles, which is us. But we've got to reconsider this. If we boast over those branches, so notice he didn't say boast, you do boast over the root too, but if you boast over the branches, meaning boast over Israel, you've got to remember you don't support the root. You'll then say branches were broken off so that I could be grafted in and granted, but they were broken off because of unbelief, and you stand by faith. Do not be arrogant, but be afraid, for if God did not spare the natural branches, he will not spare you either. And now when he's saying that, he's not saying that all the branches were broken off. They certainly weren't. The 12 apostles were all Jewish. They weren't snapped off, were they? But it's unbelief. Those with unbelief, the Jews with unbelief, were snapped out of the cultivated olive tree. And then the Gentiles were grafted in. So how dare... We not only boast over the cultivated olive branches, which is Israel, but many Christians today are going to the next level and are hating the cultivated branches and are blatant anti-Semites. They're now hating Israel. They're anti-Semitic. Johnny's gone onto blogs and, and read uh, anti-Semite websites and he's read the blogs and, and the uh, replies and, and so on, the threads you know, underneath statements, and he's just amazed he was amazed at how many of them were christian well that's the thing no i believe they're christian but i believe they're very deceived because of the teaching and this is where this is the teaching replacement theology this is the theology that is getting taught in these churches today much of the problem of anti-semitism in the church comes from a highly demonic and unbiblical doctrine that the church has replaced israel in god's plan on earth Replacement theology is that once the Messiah came 2,000 years ago, Israel's mission was completed. A transition occurred at that point, and the church took over as the people of God and became the focal point for the outworking of God's plan and purpose in redemption. God is no longer working administratively through ethnic Israel. So they believe that God is no longer with Israel in that way. He's working through the church. This, of course, is not true. In fact, the church has not replaced Israel, but have in fact been grafted into Israel. We are now 
Israel sharing in the nourishing sap of Christ, which is the, the root of the tree, if we want to look at it from Paul's um, terminology. The mystery of Christ. Who remembers the mystery of Christ sermon that I did? And do you remember what the mystery was? No? You do. You do as I, as I share it. This is how critical the native Jews are to the plan of God. And it's all written in Ephesians. Ephesians 3.6. This mystery is that through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel. Members together of one body. What's that one body? Uh, it is Christ's body, yet the body of Christ, but the body consists of Jews and Gentiles. And share us together in the promise in Christ Jesus. We are heirs with Israel. We are members together of one body. The body of Christ consists of Jews and Gentiles. We have not replaced Israel. If we are adopted into a family, we become a member of that family, don't we? And we take on their name. In that sense, we, the church, is Israel. It is Israel. And I think this is a revelation that has to sweep over the church today. That when we're grafted in to a cultivated olive tree, and that cultivated olive tree is Israel, then we become that tree. We're no longer the wild olive tree. We're a wild olive shoot, yeah, sure. But once you're, planted, um, you're grafted in, you are now part of that tree. You're no longer part of that tree any longer. We are Israel. And it's beyond just spiritual Israel. We become the body of Israel. And the body of Israel is the body of Christ. So the church is just a modernized term for Israel, which means that the Jews and the Gentiles have become one. The dividing wall of hostility no longer exists. That separates Jews from Gentiles. We are now one people, one body, sharing, sharers together in the promise in Christ Jesus, members together. You know, this is important stuff. Once we get it, I believe we're going to see a revival. Once the church gets it, I believe a revival of Jesus Christ is going to take place the world over. Once we acknowledge the Jews as our brothers and pray for them, the ones that don't acknowledge Jesus as their Lord and Savior, because if they die believing that way, they're going to be snapped out of the cultivated olive tree. They will lose their salvation. But if we start believing for them, if we start praying for them, we start praying for Jerusalem, that God will impact Jerusalem with a revival of his name, then we could see something really remarkable happening over there and happen here as a result. Romans 1.16, I am not ashamed of the gospel. This is Paul. Because it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes. Get this, first for the Jew, then for the Gentile. And the gospel has power to save the Jew first, then the Gentile. And that's why when everywhere Paul went on his missionary journeys, he always went to the Jewish synagogues first, preached to his people first. After that, he went to the Gentiles in those areas. It was always the Jews first. And in that sense, we've got to understand that. How can we be an anti-Semite? The Jews have got to be first. You know, I've got to... Christians, wake up. Wake up. Not you guys, because I know you're all pro-Israel. Pro <laughs> but you know what I'm saying? I'm saying this to YouTube. YouTube Christians, wake up. Jews first. Jews first. The Bible's clear, and that's New Testament. It's not Old Testament. 
What is Christianity anyway? We love and serve a Jewish Messiah who is the King of the Jews. Luke 23, 3. So Pilate asked Jesus, are you the King of the Jews? And what did Jesus say? Yes, it is as you say. It is as you say. He confirms it. I'm the King of the Jews. We read a Jewish Bible, which was written by about 40 Jews. Over around 2,000 years of Jewish history. And the Bible's written in relation to Jewish history and all the nations that had influence upon that nation. We worship as a church, which was founded and forged by 12 Jewish apostles. Jesus descended from a Jewish lineage and came to preach to his people, the Jews, first. He said, I came to my people first. Even Jesus put the Jews first. How can we think we've replaced Israel? It's unbelievable. I'm amazed. I'm amazed at how far the world's come. This is the sign of the end, guys. This is a sign of the end when the church itself turns against Israel in many respects, in many places. It's a sign of the end. The church must accept that to be truly Christian, we must love and pray for the Jewish people and for their homeland. It's interesting stuff, isn't it? Now, there's an interesting theory called the Khazar theory. And Johnny told me about it. I didn't realize it was actually something that was taking place, but it actually had a lot of impact upon the Jewish people. And I'll just read it. It was from uh, this uh, article. It's a three-screen article from prophecyblog.net. Wrote a brilliant blog in relation to this theory, and it explains everything. And the guy who wrote this uh, blog said, Every now and then I get emails from people thinking they are doing me a favor by introducing me to the so-called evidence that most, if not all, modern-day Jews are actually descended from medieval Khazars and not, as is commonly thought, from Abraham and the people of Israel in the Bible. So the modern Jews aren't really Jews. That's what the theory is all about. I spent more time than I care to admit looking into the claims of these people and modern, that modern Jews have no right to their ancestral lands because they aren't actually descendants of Israel. Now, I'm glad to share a recent genetic study adds uh, to earlier genetic research proving that the Khazar Jew nonsense is just that, nonsense. The study published on June the 3rd, 2010 in the American Journal of Human Genetics compared 237 Jewish people from seven regions of the world with 418 non-Jewish people from the same regions and demonstrated that the Jewish people are genetically linked to a common Jewish ancestry concentrated in Persia, Babylon around two and a half thousand years ago. So they're directly linked to the Persian Babylon Jews. Uh, and at about that very same time, King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon conquered the southern kingdom of Judah and its capital, Jerusalem, exiling the population to Babylon. If anyone who knows their Bible is familiar with that story. I first read about this in a summary article published on that prophecyblog.net. In short, thanks to modern science, one of the key arguments used by anti-Semites in their propaganda of hatred is debunked. Reasonable people can put the Khazar Jewish garbage out of their minds and be strengthened in their confidence in the Bible. Because in the Bible, Moses predicted both a dispersion of Jewish people around the world and an eventual regathering of their, their descendants to the land of Israel. The final stages of the, this dispersion happened under the rule of the Roman Empire. And this is consistent with the new genetic study which found that an influx of DNA from non-Jewish converts entered the genetic makeup of European Jewry around that time and that the closest modern cousins of the European Jews are, drumroll, Italians. That's interesting, isn't it? 
The regathering of Jews to Israel is happening in the present day and has been since the late 19th century. And it's fulfillment of prophecy that he would gather together and they would return home from the four corners of the earth. It says that in the Bible, doesn't it? That um, the Jewish, he would gather the Jews from all over the earth and bring them back to their homeland. And that's been taking place. But of course, Satan tries to block that one and say, no, they aren't real Jews. They don't deserve their homeland. Therefore, get out. Let's get them out. But that's just another bit of propaganda that's been produced. To, and, and gullible people believe it. And there's many gullible people who run after that theory and believe it. What about Zionism? Zionism has a very negative connotation in the world today, but you know it shouldn't have because it's the actual original Zionists aren't um, what people claim they are. And I'm going to go into that a little bit as well. Zionism is the national movement. This is what it actually is. It's the national movement for the return of the Jewish people to their homeland. So it's a God-administrated move, isn't it? Return to the homeland. We call that Zionism. And the resumption of Jewish sovereignty in the land of Israel advocated from its inception, tangible as well as spiritual aims. Jews of all persuasions, left and right, religious and secular, joined to form the Zionist movement and worked together towards these goals to return to their homeland. A conspiracy against the Jewish movement occurred back in 1903 when a fraudulent document was written by secret society occultists and anti-Semitic antagonists whose aim was to thwart God's plan to restore Israel to its homeland. In the document, we find what they claim to be the plan of the Zionist movement. But really, it turns out to be a description of the world elite's agenda for world dominion and not the Zionists. So what they do is they're in this document, and I've actually read it. It's called The Protocols of the Elders of Zion. I read it years ago. Uh, When you read it, it really is the plan of the Illuminati, but they've gone and switched the names around and called it a Zionist movement. But it's their own their aims and objectives for this earth, but they've tried to cover themselves by saying it wasn't us that thought it up, it was the Jews. Therefore, get everyone against the Jews and therefore we go and implement it without their eyes being on us. And in the sense, they, they destroy the Jewish people, which is what they, were, they, they are for anyway. They really want to get rid of the Jews. Protocols of the Elders of Zion is an anti-Semitic hoax purporting to describe a Jewish plan for global domination. It was first published in Russia in 1903, translated into multiple languages and disseminated internationally in the early part of the 20th century. Henry Ford funded printing 500,000 copies that were distributed throughout the United States in the 1920s. Adolf Hitler and the Nazis were major proponents of the text. It was studied as if a factual document in German classrooms after the Nazi party came to power in 1933. So this is what they taught the children. Uh, despite having been exposed as fraudulent years before. So even though it was already exposed as fraudulent, they still taught from it. In the opinion of historian Norman Cohen, the Protocols was Hitler's primary justification for initiating the Holocaust, his warrant for genocide. And if you ever read the Protocols, yeah, you could use that document. You You could easily get a country on your side and get their hatred towards Jews really pumping. You know, if you read it, you, you start to hate Jews too if you believe it. Yeah, and if you teach a kid that who doesn't question anything and just accepts everything they're getting taught by their teachers, yeah, you'll turn against the Jews. So that's how he instigated the Holocaust during World War II. So this is a dreadful, dreadful document. But the fact of the matter is it's an untruth and the document really just outlines the plans of the Illuminati who are the world elite who are running this world, who actually are in control of the world. 
And so in that sense, it's quite scary if you look at it from that perspective. A global elite. There is this continual conspiracy purported by many uninformed conspiracy theorists that the secret world government, which control the banking systems called the IMF, which is the International Monetary Fund, are all Jewish. Who's heard of that? Yeah? These theorists who are against this global elite play right into their hands when they propagate theories against the Jewish people. So these are conspiracy theorists who are good intentions. They're trying to, you know... Uh, pinpoint who these global leaders are, but they get deceived into thinking they're all Jewish. And so they, they pull the whole you know, anti-Semite card out and start using that, which works in line with the actual global elite's agenda. Remember our text from Zechariah, which speaks of a future time when the nations of this earth will surround Jerusalem in an effort to wipe it off the map. Remember, there's a time when this is going to take place. And we've got to remember that the move, this move, current move of the 20th century or 21st century is to move the nations of the earth against Jerusalem. And in, from an occultish point as well, I've studied a lot to do with the occult. Their visions and prophecies and dreams and all that that they go and promulgate is that they will actually attack Jerusalem and destroy it. And they even believe that Satan is going to rise up and destroy God. So what their vision is, is there's the opposite side of what the Bible tells us about. And those that believe this stuff are so confident. They think that Satan's going to win the battle. They really do. When you speak against the Jews, you are siding with the elite who are preparing to bring in a new world order with an agenda of wiping out the Jews and the Christians. So the nationality of the Illuminati. Most of all the global elite who call themselves the Illuminati are of American, British and German origin, except for the Rothschilds who are German-Jewish. They're not completely Jewish. The Rockefellers are of German heritage and are about one-eighth Jewish. So there's very minimal Jewish. And look, when you get millions of people all believing the same way with who, what you would call the Illuminati, that's how you group all these uh, occult societies, when, when you get that many people, there's got to be a bit of Jewish in there. Do you know what I mean? In actual fact, anyone who has ascended past the third degree of Freemasonry or of, are a skull and bonesman is part of the Illuminati. So anyone who's gone a little bit, a little way in into the occult, these occult organizations are Illuminous. So does that discount Jews as a nation, as being the Illuminati? Absolutely. It, disc, it discludes uh, Zionists as well. In fact, the Illuminati fund radical Islam in all its efforts, for they have an agenda to wipe out Jews and Christians. That's in the Quran, quite clearly. Historically, the Illuminati name refers to the Bavarian Illuminati, an Enlightenment-era secret society founded on the May the 1st, 1776 by Adam Warshaw. That's historically where the name came from. And it's interesting, 1776 happens to be the date that's on the American $1 bill. And many people believe that's because that's when the American country was federated. Uh, but a lot of people say, no, it's in line with this date here where the Bavarian Illuminati was founded. So two different thoughts, but it just happens to be the same year, which is quite interesting. In more modern context, the name refers to a conspiratorial organisation which is alleged to mastermind events and control world affairs through governments and corporations to establish a new world order. So anything which is working towards a new world order, which is a, a new world order is pretty well when a, a one world dictator will take the throne 
and will control the entire world with a one-world government. They will institute a one-world religion, and anyone who comes up against that religion will be, uh, according to the Bible in Revelation 13, will be beheaded and, or killed or, or imprisoned. Uh, and they'll also interest, institute a one-world currency. Have we been seeing an amalgamation of currencies around the world over the last 30 years? The euro dollar amalgamated all the currencies in Europe. The Amero is another one that's coming out. Okay, so in the modern context, we find anyone who announces and plans to bring forth a new world order is an Illuminist, and most of these are not Jewish. There are some that are Jews, but there are some Greeks. There are some Italians. There are some English. There's probably plenty of Aussies as well, as um, you know, a lot of the politicians are heavily involved in Freemasonry and in, in all this stuff. I know our current Prime Minister is working in line with the world government and um, their agenda to bring in a one-world government and a new world order. This sort of sums up what the Illuminati is. It's a listing of various branches of the Illuminati and the organisations which they control. So from a banking perspective, we have international money centre banks, central banks, international monetary fund, world banks, international bank of settlements, etc. Like the uh, Reserve Bank in America is an Illuminati-owned uh, bank. It's not a reserve, nor is it a federal institution. It's neither. It's a privately owned banking inst institution, uh, which is owned primarily, they say, by around 200 families. And it's the biggest jet generator, uh, debt generator, jet generator, <laughs> biggest debt generator in the world. Isn't that amazing? Uh, secret society groups that are all Illuminati groups are Freemasonry, Skull and Bones, Grant Orient Lodge, Grant Alpina Lodge, Knights Templars, Royal Order of the Garter, Rosicrucians. There's, there's many of them. Uh, political groups, national government leaders, usually government leaders around the world. Uh, Illuminous, United Nations, the Bilderbergers Group, the Trilateral Commission, the Council on Foreign Relations, the Club of Rome, who's heard of Bohemian Grove? Yeah, Alex Jones uh, went undercover and broke into a Bohemian Grove ceremony uh, and uh, it's really worthwhile taking a look at what the uh, American leaders and, and world leaders go to and what they share in. It's highly satanic. Yeah, it's very weird. Intelligent groups, uh, that work for the Illuminati and do their bidding is the CIA, the KGB, the FBI, British intelli intelligence, mafia organised crime, drug cartels, uh, Interpol, communist parties. Uh, religious groups. Well, communism works right in line because that's what it's going to be. It's going to be a dictatorship. The one world order is a dictatorship. Communism coming under the guise of socialism, you know, bringing in with socialism sounds nicer than communism, but... Every communist nation ever has always called themselves socialists. Union of so Soviet Socialist Republic. What were they? Communists. Now, religious groups. World Council of Churches. Who's heard of that one? Yeah, I've got a book called World Council of Churches in there. And, um, all about how good it is to bring all the religions of the world together under one, you know, we all worship the same God or gods. Uh, National Councils of, Council of Churches, World Parliament of Religions, and so on. And look down there, there's Baha'i is among them. Remember we did the sermon on Baha'i? And I said this, this religion is a, um, a, a one-world religion, or a new world order type religion. And that started up years ago. 
education groups, UNESCO, World Peace Groups, Planetary Congress, World Federalist Association, etc., environmental groups, and all of these working towards a common goal. A lot of those that work in these groups have no idea what they're involved in, just like a low-degree low Freemason really doesn't know what they're getting into. They just think, you know, someone on the first, second, or even third degree level just thinking this is a good Christian organisation. You know, but it's not until you get up to the upper levels that you realise what you're getting into and it's highly satanic. Ultimate aim of these groups. The ultimate aim of these world elite occultists is to make war against the saints. Turn to the back of your Bible. Revelation 12:17, And keep your Bibles open because there's a few Revelation scriptures we're going to go through. Okay, so the ultimate name of these worldly occultists is to make war against the saints of God. Now, who are the saints? Believers in Christ. Because throughout the Bible, you know, you, Paul always calls the believers saints. Saints of God. So, Revelation 12, 17. Then the dragon was enraged at the woman. We won't go into that because that's a whole other sermon. But was enraged at the woman, went off to make war against the rest of her offspring, those who obey God's commandments and hold to the testimony of Jesus. So those who obey God's commands and hold to the testimony, to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, keep your Bibles open there. And he also is going to make war against him who sits on the throne in heaven. Now let's read 13, 4 to 8. And it says, men worshipped the dragon because he had given authority to the beast. And they also worshipped the beast and asked, who is like the beast who can make war against him? Who is like the beast, the Antichrist, who can make war against Jesus? The beast was given a mouth to utter proud words and blasphemies and to exercise his authority for 42 months. There's going to be a 42-month period where the Antichrist will exercise his authority. He opened his mouth to blaspheme God and to slander his name and his dwelling place and those who live in heaven. And then listen to this. He was given the power to make war against the saints and to conquer them. And he was given authority over every tribe, people, language, and nation. All inhabitants of the earth will worship him, worship the beast, all whose names have not been written in the book of life belonging to the lamb that was slain from the creation of the world. You know, the good thing about having the Bible in hand is that we know the outcome. We know what's going to happen when Satan and his hordes rise up against Jesus Christ and God the Father. The outcome is revealed in Revelation 17, 12 to 14, which reads, The ten horns you saw are ten kings who have not yet received a kingdom, but who for one hour, this is in the last days, the last hour, will receive authority as kings along with the beast. They have one purpose and will give their power and authority to the beast. They will make war against the lamb, but the lamb will overcome them because he is Lord of lords and king of kings. And with him will be his called, chosen and faithful followers. And if we turn to Revelation 19, 19 to 21, and it says, Then I saw the beast and the kings of the earth and their armies gathered together to make war against the rider on the horse and his army. But the beast was captured and with him the false prophet who had performed the miraculous signs on his behalf. The beast and the false prophet. With these signs he had deluded those who had worshipped the mark of the beast and worshipped his image. 
the two of them were thrown alive into the fiery lake of burning sulphur. The rest of them were killed with a sword and came out of the which came out of the mouth of the rider on the horse, and all the birds gorged themselves on their flesh. The Illuminati is preparing the way for and heralding the coming of the dragon, the beast, the Antichrist, and the false prophet. As the Word of God tells us, they will be given power for one hour and will then go to their destruction. The moral of the story is, get on the side of him who wins the war. And don't be deluded by the occultists who think they have a chance to destroy God and his son, Jesus Christ. Don't be deluded, because we know who wins this battle. Just some videos and books that I believe you should look into that talks about uh, what we're talking about here and anti-Semitism, but much, much more as well, uh, is if you could check out the videos Megiddo 1 and 2. Also, Secret Mysteries of America's Beginnings is another video. Riddles in Stone, which comes from that same series. Also, The Eye of the Phoenix. Uh, also, look into a video which was by Chuck Missler, which is called New World Order. Chuck Missler goes into that and he does a brilliant job of revealing what the New World Order is and who's behind it and so on. Some really good books you should check out. Uh, is uh, There's a book called Apollyon Rising 2012 by Thomas Horn. Also a book by Chuck Missler called Prophecy 2020. As well as The Coming Economic Armageddon by Dr. David Jeremiah. Also, check out some of the books by Barry Smith and some of his videos. Uh, Barry Smith's a... A New Zealand minister who's he's passed away now and he was preaching all about this new world order and um, powers that be sort of information but he was preaching that way back in the 70s 1970s and from then on so he this man is a wealth of knowledge some of the stuff that he talked about didn't come to pass when he said it was going to come to pass uh, as in from a date perspective but he knows a lot of information he's got a lot of information and I think it's really really valuable so it's really, really good to take it a look at what he's got to say. I'm just going to read a, an email I received a few weeks, quite a few weeks ago now. It says, a short time ago, Iran's supreme leader, Grand Ayatollah Ali, urged the Muslim world to boycott anything and everything that originates with Jewish people. Now, we could check that out on, you, on uh, the internet to find out if that's true. But in response, May M. Trinkman a pharmacist, out of the kindness of his heart, offered to assist them in their boycott as follows. Any Muslims who has syphilis must not be cured of salvarsan, uh, discovered by a Jew, Dr. Ehrlich. He should not even try to find out whether he has syphilis because the Wasserman test is the discovery of a Jew. If a Muslim suspects that he has gonorrhea, he must seek, uh, not seek a diagnosis because he will be using the method of a Jew named Neissner. A Muslim who has heart disease must not use digitalis, a discovery by a Jew, Ludwig Traub. Uh, should he suffer with a toothache, he must not use Novocaine, a discovery of the Jews, Weidel and Wheel. If a Muslim has diabetes, he must not use insulin, the result of a research of Minkowski, a Jew. If one has a headache, he must shun pyramidon and antipyrin due to the Jews, Spiro and Allege. Muslims with convulsions must put up with them uh, because it was a Jew, Oscar Leibrich, who, who proposed the use of chloral hydrate. Arabs must do likewise with their psychic ailments uh, because Freud, father of psychoanalysis, was a Jew. Not that we're proud of that. Should a Muslim child get diphtheria, he must refrain from the shik reaction, which was invented by a Jew, Bella Shik.
Muslims should be ready to die in great numbers and must not permit treatment of ear and brain damage work of a Nobel Prize winner, Robert Baram. They should continue to die or remain crippled by infantile paralysis because the discoverer of the anti-polio uh, polio vaccine is a Jew named Jonas Salk. Muslims must refuse to use uh, streptomycin and continue to die of tuberculosis because a Jew named Zalman Waxman, inventor of the wonder drug against, uh, invented the wonder drug against this killing disease. Muslim doctors must discard all discoveries and improvements by dermatologist Judas Saint Benedict or the lung specialist Fraunkel and many other world-renowned Jewish scientists and medical experts. In short, good and loyal Muslims properly and fittingly should remain afflicted with syphilis, gonorrhea, heart disease, headaches, typhus, diabetes, mental disorders, polio, convulsions and tuberculosis and be proud to obey the Islamic boycott. Isn't that interesting? How many Jews and how many wonderful things they've done for humanity and what they've provided for humanity uh, in, in these wonderful treatments that we all now just take for granted, don't we? So whether that um, actual statement by Iran's supreme leader, Grand Ayatollah Ali, is true or not, I don't know. That's something that we could all search out, as I said before. But certainly I think the content there of who did these discoveries is valid. Uh, Bill just made a, an astute statement in relation to that uh, email that I read out before. Muslims should boycott their life for life comes from 